Bonner is most known for scuba diving. But did you know it's one of the best shore diving locations in the world? This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360. We are the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from a smoky Las Vegas, Nevada, which I will explain in just a moment. And I am joined, as always, by the birthday boy, one day removed, Mr. David Cumberbatch out there in Long Island. What's going on, Dave? And don't forget that now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, they, 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 Dave had another trip around the sun uh, yesterday, so uh, he's alive and well, and he, he survived his birthday, so uh, I'm, I'm glad to see his face. <laughs> I was reading in the news. I found it very interesting. A Texas couple were asked to leave a restaurant for wearing a face mask, and all hell broke, all hell broke loose. <laughs> for wearing a face mask? For wearing a face mask. You know what? I, I, I have been so reticent about jumping on my soapbox about vaccines. I'm going to try to hold my tongue right now. Uh-huh. But damn it. What? And stop with the excuses for not getting a vaccine. People put shit in their body. Excuse my French all the time and don't even know what it is. But when it comes to something that will save your life and others, all of a sudden you're hesitant. Stop it. How about your favorite basketball player? Oh, there's several of my favorite basketball <laughs> players. You know, I, I'm I, I'm, I'm going to borrow something. I didn't come up with this. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN did. Professional athletes put stuff in their bodies all the time, and they have no damn clue what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then they come. Then you come up with a vaccine that could actually save your life and everybody around you, and all of a sudden, you don't want to get vaccinated. I'm sorry. Y'all can call me up. You can yell at me. I don't give a shit. I'm sick and tired <laughs> of this kind of crap. I mean, if we had taken this approach in the 1950s with polio, we would all be dead now. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I my my ex-wife's father had had polio. He had a shortened leg that was all affected by it. You know, and stop using the excuse this is new technology. It is not. mRNA technology has been around for 20 years. Stop it. That, that is true. Damn, what, it just irritates me. What was very re- revealing was the contrast between listening to Kyrie's reason for not taking the vaccine and then listening to gentleman from the Golden State Warriors. I forgot his name. His name escapes me. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, where he he literally, he lost five members of his family, including his mom. Oh, that wasn't Wiggins. That was somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, he, he lost five members of his family, including his mom. And I'm saying to myself, Hayes Kyrie has taken this, this uh, position on it, but, but I don't know. I think the NBA has to has to lay some guidelines and some rules. Actually. Well, the, the, well, the NBA has the guidelines and the rules. The issue isn't the NBA. The issue is the collective bargaining agreement with the Players Association. Uh, the, yeah, the, the union. The union. Right, right, exactly. And the Players Association has said they're not going to mandate vaccines. But where Kyrie Irving is getting in trouble, and when where Andrew Wiggins is getting in trouble, is there state laws and or city laws in New York and in um, the Bay Area that says you cannot participate in an event or be at an event in a mass setting without being vaccinated. Mm. So right now, Kyrie Irving can't play any home games for the Brooklyn Nets and Andrew Wiggins can't play any home games for the Golden State Warriors. 
<laughs> These guys are making tens of millions of dollars a year, so they have a choice to make. Now, Kyrie said he's going to retire um, if they force him to get a shot. So, you know, I, I'm this stuff about the vaccine to just drives me nuts because, like I said, you can save not only your lives, but other people's lives as well. Even the trainers and, and stuff like that on some of these teams are saying they're upset because they're treating some of these athletes who have not been vaccinated. It makes no sense to me. I'm sorry. That was my soapbox for the day. I'm done. Um, <laughs> as for my intro, you heard me say, Smokey, if you people don't think climate change is real, uh, you got another thing coming. I am in Las Vegas today. I, I woke up at five o'clock this morning, walked out on my patio, and the smell of smoke from fires is all over the city. It is so bad it's blotted out the sun. I'm sitting here staring out the window right now. The nearest fire to us is several hundred miles away. Mm. And we still got smoke. That's crazy. It is real. It yeah, is real. It is very real. I don't know how many fires are burning on the West Coast. The last count I saw there was at least 75. The bigger ones are a little further north than where we are here in Vegas, but that smoke is no joke. Wow. And it's the second time I've experienced this. And I think it was either 2009 or 2010 when I was living in Los Angeles. They had a very bad fire season. And I remember how dark the city of Los Angeles got up to and including ash falling in the city from fires that were about 75 miles away. Well, at some point, we got to take it seriously before um, it's too late. Yeah, that's true. So and the reason we're talking about all this at the end of the day, every bit of what we just said affects travel and tourism. I was just going to say that it has a serious impact on travel and tourism. Yep. I mean, we've got we've got travel businesses that are still suffering. This industry is suffering, not just here in the United States, but globally as well, because people can't mm. travel. Uh, people aren't getting vaccinated. We've got you know, they had fires, massive fires in Greece just in the last couple of months. And I have lost track of whether those fires have been put out yet or not. This is real, people. Please take it seriously. I'm telling you, man, I can't even fly my private jet. Over on the West Coast. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see your private jet through the smoke. <laughs> anyway, all right. We're going to talk about something a little more pleasant today. Our, our, our uh, guru, uh, Catherine, is back. We're going to have a little discussion about Bonaire, which she just got back from, I believe, last month. Uh, so we'll have that discussion in just a moment. But as usual, uh, you can catch TripCast 360 wherever you get your podcast. But the best place to catch it is on our website at TripCast360.com. That is TripCast360.com. Subscribe, like, follow us, share with your friends. Uh, we've got we're already almost done with season two. We've got over 60 five episodes, I believe, yeah. uh, already in the can that you can listen to at your leisure. But uh, we hope you will follow us. Some very informative stuff. We've interviewed a lot of travel newsmakers. We've interviewed uh, singers, comedians, uh, authors. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of really good content, which we think you'll enjoy. And the beauty of it all is most of it is evergreen. So, you know, if you missed it originally, it stands the test of time. And also, if you have any suggestions for stuff you would like to hear us talk about on this podcast, and remember, we're travel, tourism, and entertainment. It does, doesn't have to be just travel because we'll, we'll, we'll make the travel connection to whatever you want to talk about. Um, reach out to us either uh, via one of our social media handles, which Dave is going to discuss in just a moment, or uh, just send us an email to contact the tripcast360.com. And speaking of those social medias, Dave, let them have it. 
But we know that you're on social media. Um, every study suggests that you're on facial, uh, that you're on social media, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And while you're at it and you find any value in what we do, tell us about it. Drop us a line. We'll appreciate it very, very, very much. Amen to that. And without further ado, uh, in the word, <laughs> in the words of that movie, she's back. Uh, <laughs> our global adventure travel guru, Catherine Parker Magyar, is here to share her recent adventure in Bonaire. As you all know, Catherine is a prolific travel writer. Her works have appeared in Departures, Forbes, Architectural Digest, and World Travel Magazine, just to name a few. We strongly recommend you follow Catherine on her website at catherineparkermagyar.com. And don't forget her social media handles on Instagram. It's Catherine Parker Magyar. On Facebook, it's Katie, K-A-T-I-E dot Parker Magyar. And on Twitter, it's KPM 1231. Catherine, uh, come up for some, uh, come out of that ocean sofa bone air and uh, welcome back to (laughs) TripCast 360. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. It's always fun to chat with you guys. Oh, wow. Well, Catherine, like Michael said, you know, we're going to talk about Bonaire today. But what I find, I find something extremely interesting uh, about Bonaire. Um, It's part of the ABC chain of islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao. I've been to Aruba. I've been to Curacao. I haven't been to Bonaire, but I've been reading. And the sentiment that I'm getting is that if you go to Bonaire, what's exciting about, about Bonaire is beneath the surface of the water. But I'm certain there's a whole lot more to Bonaire than that. But uh, why why did you go to Bonaire? What attracted you to Bonaire? So I know we've talked a bunch. And I know, I mean, David, your family is originally from Barbados, about how much I really love the Caribbean. And I just, you know, when you get a place in your head and you're like, I, I need to go to this spot. That happened to me with Bonaire like a little while ago. Basically, I was just the more I traveled around, um, you know, the West Indies, the more, you know, people would mention Bonaire. And to be honest, it's an it's an island that I I wouldn't have been able to tell you where Bonaire was located. It's 50 miles off north of Venezuela, as -hmm. you know, part of the ABC islands. I don't know that I would have immediately guessed that that's where it was. You know, I don't think it has Mm -hmm. like a really high name recognition. And another island that I had a similar obsession with was Dominica which I didn't know about Dominique, that Dominica really existed. And then when I went, I was so blown away. So when I hear about these places that, you know, are sort of under the radar, immediately my curiosity is peaked. And what I'd heard about Bonaire, um, before I'd heard about the scuba diving, which is a whole thing, and we can definitely talk about that, is that it's more of a, of a locals islands where it's sort of less impacted by tourism. Like there's um, only one major chain on the entire island which is um, KFC, which is its own Caribbean specialty. I have a friend, um, um, her like Instagram handle Jet Set Sarah, but she covers the Caribbean and she always makes a point of going to every KFC because they have different flavors. But like, of course, (laughs) that would be the one chain. But so I'd heard, you know, that it was a little bit more remote and that is what first intrigued me. And then when I was in the Maldives, um, which we did our last podcast on, and that was when, you know, I'd, I just started, I just learned how to scuba dive in Curacao, the neighboring, you know, it's neighboring islands right before lockdown. And so then my mind was sort of open to, oh my God, like I want to explore under the water. And when I went to the Maldives, I was with um, Susie Dundas, who was a huge 
huge scuba diver. And she spoke so glowingly of, of Bonaire. And she was like, oh, you have to go. And if you Google Bonaire, it's like very famous. It's one of the best scuba diving locations in the world. And the reason for that is because 100% of the surrounding water of Bonaire is a national park. It's protected. So to go in, you pay 45 US dollars. Um, you actually pay that pass also to go to like the Washington side by national park, which is, you know, all of this land is protect, like 20% of the island is protected. hundred percent of the water is protected. So I think it's sort of become famous in a way where Nepal is really famous for, um, backpacking. I feel like Bonaire is really famous for divers. So when, you know, when you're on the flight, you know, you'll see a lot of like, I don't know how to describe dive heads, but you know what I mean? Like they sell a lot of t-shirts and so it's more of an adventure vacation. Um, and the thing that I found to be really cool about Bonaire is that, you know, I love to go to places and I mean, at the end of the day, conservation can sometimes really be a first world priority where in the sense where, you know, it's, it's costly to, to protect the land, to protect the sea. So I just think it's really cool to go to a place where that's been a priority and that's been a priority that supersedes, you know, any other sort of, any other sort of money-making ventures in a certain sense where they're like, this is important. And now obviously it's so trendy to be sustainability oriented and conservation minded, but Bonaire has been like that from the beginning. Um, But there's definitely more to do there than scuba dive, than just scuba dive. But the cool thing about diving there is you can do offshore diving. And I'd never seen this before, but basically like I kept seeing all these pickup trucks driving around the island and parked on the side of the road in front of beaches. And then if you like go and like, look, people would open up the back, like the back door of the, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to describe things. Apparently they would open up the back <laughs> of the <laughs> and there would just be like all of their snoot, all of their scuba equipment. And then you can just go diving right off the beach. Um, so, and I also had really wanted to go back to the Caribbean. I hadn't been for March, April, May, 18 months, you know, mm-hmm. the, that was my last trip was Curacao. So I've, I've never been, I know you mentioned you've been to Aruba and Curacao. And I think that Aruba is definitely the most popular, particularly for American travelers. Like it's a huge U.S. tourism destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, I think, known also, I've never been to Aruba and I, I need to go, like I want to go um, for sure. But I think it's known more for having sort of more of the resorts and sort of really catering more to the, towards tourists. And then Curacao, which I have been to and I, I really loved, shout out to Tirza, who was my guide there. I loved her, but that has more, has more of like a, of a um, commercial economy. So people who are like working in different industries in the ABC islands will go live in Curacao. So they've got like, you know, um, Willemstad, which is this UNESCO World Heritage Site downtown that's preserved. They've got this cool city. They also have really beautiful diving and they also have really luxurious resorts. So it's sort of a mixture between the two in a way. And then Bonaire is much more rural um, and it is much more adventure oriented. When I say that, like there aren't, where I stayed, Harbor, Harbor Village Beach Club has a really, really pretty um, little beach that overlooks the water. And I'll tell you about what was in that water because I had a really cool experience night snorkeling there, but it's rare. You know, you're not going there for the sandy beaches. It's more what you can do in the water. You can do on top of the water, like windsurfing. um, If you go to Jive City and windsurf at the beach there, it's essentially like surfing. And I know Mm -hmm. we also did a Hawaii podcast, but it's like surfing in Waikiki. Waikiki, like you're going to catch, you're going to be able to like 
surf. I don't say catch a wave. You're going to be able to, to coast the um, coast in the winds. But there's definitely a lot that you can do. It's definitely more for more of the nature-loving traveler, more of the adventure traveler. And I mean, just in terms of like the culture and the cuisine, I, I've talked to you guys before. I'm not, um, like, I'm not a huge foodie. I think I'm turned off by, you know, the whole cult around food writing and travel, you know, where it's like, I can't eat until all the pictures have been taken. And I kind of want an, um, I want ambiance in a cocktail, but I went to some of like the coolest spots in Bonaire, like Posada, um, Posada Paramira, which is this um, local restaurant that, I mean, I didn't have the goat iguana soup, but I should have. It was delicious, had live music. And then we went to this restaurant called Boudoir, which is all avocado. Everything is avocado. I had an avocado, like, I think I, I had an avocado. Hmm, I want to say it was, a mar- it was not a martini. What was I drinking the whole time there, Katie? Please refresh my memory. An <laughs> avocado daiquiri. So good. But everything was avocado and everything is sort of is locally sourced. I saw the most insane avocado there. And yeah, you got this sense of like real island life in the sense of, you know, people are, it hasn't been, it's not like people are, it's not like the entire island is dedicated to tourism. You know what I mean? And there's a yeah. whole separate culture. Not that Ruba is. I'm just saying that you sort of get a sense of you're do- dropping in, you know? I, I still want to know what the hell's on an avocado daiquiri besides it's the avocado. absolutely delicious. It is so, so good. It's avocado and just deliciousness. It tastes kind of minty. I had, I was so hungry. Oh my God. I came there because I was diving beforehand. And so I arrived like with a major appetite and I think I ordered everything on the menu. And it's just like really cool. Like it almost reminded me of a place that would be in, um, I don't know, like in Quintana Roo and almost like Tulum or Playa del Carmen where it's, you know, you're in, it sort of felt like I was in a little jungle area, except for there's a desert. Um, Bonaire is a desert, but it was super lush and these little picnic tables with mismatched, um, you know, utensils and plates on the tables and just sort of the kitchen was visible a little bit from, you know, it was just a sort of wooden hut on the side of the road. So unassuming. And it was so delicious. And let's talk about your underwater experience. I, I vaguely recall in a previous podcast, you had mentioned that you were certi- you're a certified diver. I am. I am. I am an SSI dive- diver. So I got that in Curacao. I'm an open water diver. And yeah, it's, it's really... The thing, the thing that you'll really discover when you go scuba diving, I've been really, really, really lucky because the only places I've been diving have been Curacao, Bonaire and the Maldives. And those are like some of the best places to dive in the world. Um, Curacao for like the abs, the clarity that I had underneath the water, you know, it, it was like bright aquamarine. So you could see, like, I could see that, um, I saw seahorses like very vividly. Do you know what I mean? Like everything was just like hyper magnetized. And, and that is the visibility is a huge thing when scuba diving. And you can also offshore scuba dive in Curacao, not as much as you can in Bonaire but it's still a really great spot. The Maldives obviously are super popular for scuba diving. Um, when I was there, I think I talked to you guys about like, I saw like dozens of sharks and, you know, stingrays every second. The visibility wasn't as great as Curacao because it was a little stormier. And also like the water surrounding Curacao was like bright blue. What was in- astonishing about Bonaire, and it reminded me of the Galapagos Islands, is just the sheer quantities of fish 
everywhere, like schools of fish, hundreds of fish. And like, you just go off the beach and it's because this whole land is protected. You know what I mean? There aren't people fishing. There aren't people like, you know, I don't know, motorboat. It's very much like you get a sense that the, that people in Bonaire have done a really good job of establishing sort of a harmony with like people and the animals under the water. So you just get up close and personal. And it was, uh, it was like in the Galapagos, one of the things that really stuck with me was that, you know, you'd swim through a school of fish and the fish would like barely get out of your way because humans are not predators there. And in Bonaire, it felt very similar, you know, and offshore diving cool is that, you know, you are, it's pretty shallow. You don't need to get very deep to see the most amazing things. And I think that, you know, scuba diving, the competition, if you can make anything in competition, if you want to, you know, and so people are like, oh, I can go to a hundred feet. I can get, you really don't need to go deeper than 30 feet. And there are all these amazing like shipwrecks. But for me, like the, the thing that really stuck with me the most was just the offshore diving and just like suddenly you're in the water and you're surrounded by all these fish. And just like beautiful. And it's funny too, because like now I've been, you know, I need to scuba dive everywhere. I want to scuba dive with orcas in Norway. Hopefully that'll be a future podcast. But it's funny, I'm seeing like some of these fish I'm seeing all over. I'm like, this parrotfish was with me in the Maldives. Now that it's cool. It's it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see like how each how each part of the world has like a different sort of variety of, of marine life underwater, but then there are some key players. You know, please, like the angel please, fish. please tell me you took some video while you were under that water. <laughs> I know. No, no, I have some. I can get some videos for sure. I'm just trying to focus on just like making no movements and just cruising along. But I know that I could be videotaping, and I know that I should be. This probably goes to a larger thing with me as a travel writer because I started a TikTok actually, which I actually really I, I love it. I love TikTok because I was like, oh all of my random videos of lions and like rhinos and elephants and llamas, they have a home, you know, I'm like the really, really cheap, slightly intoxicated version of David Attenborough, apparently like on safari because it's like the camera's a little wobbly, but like, yeah, I I have good footage, but I always think to myself, I should be focusing on getting some really great stuff and I could, and this would be really helpful. But then I feel sometimes it really does take you out of the moment. And one thing I like about scuba diving is that I'm just fully You've got, it's one of, it's one of the only things in the world. You can't talk to anyone. No one can talk to you. You know, you just, you're just watching. It's very meditative. You hear your own breath. So, but I do have some, I definitely, I have, I have photos that were taken up and I know that the people, that some of the people I was with, that they took some videos so I can get some for you. Nice. But oh, I can, yeah. sh- shameless plug time. How do we find you on TikTok? <laughs> oh my God. I'm at Catherine Parker Magyar. Okay. Yeah, shameless. It's I one of my I, one of my bungee jumping videos went somewhat viral, which is hilarious. It's just funny because I'm like I'm not looking for any. I I was like I want to save some of these videos, and I'm sure people feel this way, particularly with videos like with photos. I'm gonna put it in the album or I'm gonna frame it. But with the video, it's like I'm not gonna like screen a movie of my travels, and it almost feels like a you know a video. It's like a video journal of some of the trips I've taken. So I'm excited to build on that, but. Yeah, it is really, it's very cool. And you're also surrounded by people who are very serious, who are very into diving. So that's its own energy and its own, like they do night dives. You can sign up for courses that are, you know, you can go in the morning, in the afternoon and you can dive all day, every day. Mm. And I mean, 
for me, that was something I did. I went on, I went diving at Divi. Let me make sure I have this name correctly for you, for you guys. But it was like Divi Tamarind, I believe. Let's see. Um, it was at Divi Flamingo Beach Resort, Divi Tamarinds in Aruba. And so that was cool. We went, we went diving off the boat and you can do that there. But there are different places that you can dive all over the island. And I mean, I just had the best time. And it was really interesting to be doing it, walking into the water. It's almost, you have to balance. Like I hate having to carry my tank around. It's like, you know, you're walking around like a, like an upright hunchback sea turtle. (laughs) But then once you get in, you're in. But it was, yeah. But then, you know, you don't need to be a diver to enjoy Bonaire. And I know that's something that people struggle with almost in Bonaire because they're like, yes, there's so much more to us than just diving. Um, And I think that's important too. But I do think that if you haven't dived, if you haven't gone diving before and and you're curious, it's a great place because, you know, you can get your dive your diving um, certification just within three days. So if you're on a long trip, it's, I think it's a great place to learn. Nice. Well, keeping with the underwater theme, you mentioned earlier night snorkeling. I have never snorkeled at night. What was that experience like? Insanely cool. So we stayed at Harbor Village Beach Club, which has this um, restaurant called Belandra, which looks like an old Spanish ship that's sort of facing off into the water. And at the bow, like the, you know, the back of the ship or the stern of the ship, excuse me, I I did take sailing lessons. The stern of the ship is like on the sand and the bow of the ship faces towards the water. And I was at dinner one night and they have lights, you know, illuminating the bow. And I looked down and there are these insane tarpons, like these huge fish that are like, I don't know, four feet long, like five. they are huge. Right. And they're all gathering at the bow. And I'm like, what, why are they all here? Do you know what I mean? Cause it's like pitch black. And you saw, I saw dozens. And then the next night, um, we were like, we were told that, that night snorkeling was really cool and we should do it. So, um, you know, my friends, Davey Sutton, who, you know, you guys interviewed, she was in the water with me. I, she was on this trip with me. I had such a great time with her. Love her. And we went night snorkeling and it was, she has good videos of me. I'm like, oh, of course, Davey was there. She always documents everything. Davey's out partying in Paris from what I see now. I know, for a month. She's on TikTok. Follow Davey, honestly, follow Davey on TikTok. We run a little bit better content. But so we swim towards the bow and I felt it is insane to be snorkeling at night because, you know, you can, what is it called when your hands move in the water and you can get the, the lights glisten? Oh my God, this is going to come to me later, but there's some scientific reason why when you make a splash in the ocean at night, it gives off light and it's called something and it happens in Maine all the time. Like yeah, luminescence. Uh, luminescence. Yeah. There's a name luminescence, for it. Yeah. Yeah. But so I'm under the water. I, I don't have like any, you know, you don't need an underwater light. We swam towards the bow and these tarpons, I felt like I was swimming with sharks. They're huge. And they come over to the light because they're like totally nocturnal. The light helps them eat at night and helps them hunt. And so they like, well, also if you're night diving, which I didn't do, but as a night diver, you have your own like headlight and apparently the tarpons will just follow you and they'll use your light to go hunting at night. And it Mm -hmm. was just like, such a mystical experience. I really, I recommend going to Belandra and I really recommend night snorkeling there. It was so cool. 
And there's, yeah. And it was after a day we went to, there's this thing called chilling grill, which is, you know, um, snorkeling. And then, you know, we were drinking and dining on this boat. So we had chilling grill, night snorkel, more daiquiris. It was, that was the last day of the trip. It was really great. And the sunsets and the sunsets are insane. I'm sorry. The sunsets, it's some of the best <laughs> sunsets I've ever seen in the world. I can't even describe. And, you know, the sun sets differently, different places. I really, it was, it's crazy. We went to Ingrid's and Sebastian's or the nice, nice restaurants on the water. Go, go early so you can watch the sunset fully. Davey has this insane time lapse, but yeah. it's just, I don't know if it's where it's positioned in the Eastern Caribbean. It's just the entire sea and the sky is bathed in this like light orange light. And then it turns like bright pink and then dark purple. It's just very dramatic. What makes Bonnier's um, underwater product um, so intriguing? Is it is it because it, it, it's 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 a coral reef? I believe it's a coral reef. Am I correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, or or is it because there's a concerted effort by the government to protect the oceans and protect that area, thereby giving a product that's really 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 intriguing? Yes, I think it's both because at the end of the day, if any of these Caribbean nations had protected the water surrounding the islands as much as Bonaire has, then every place, I don't think it would, I don't know if it would be as amazing, but it would be pretty spectacular. Like when we're saying national park, like, you know, there's like concerted cleanups, like you're not just the amount of litter and waste that happens when people are just like sunbathing and chilling at the beach. And maybe it's also a side effect too, of the fact that people don't just go hang at the beach there. Do you know what I mean? But there isn't like, there isn't, they make a concerted effort that there isn't like the pollution. People aren't like harming the wildlife. You have to pay to enter the water. You have oh. to get a, it's called the Sinapa Sinapot. Well, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So it's heavily monitored. And as a result, the animals and the wildlife, like the biggest thing with protecting the oceans is to make sure that the coral reef doesn't die. And it's really easy to kill coral reef. Like you have to be careful about the sunblock that you're wearing. You have to be wearing, you know, reef safe sunblock. If you touch a coral reef, it can die. And they limit the amount of people who are in the water every day. So if you're observing how many people and number one, not just observing, but if you have to pay 50 bucks to go in the sea, you know what I mean? As particularly as a visitor, you're not going to be going in it every day. And as a result, they've protected it. And if you've got a flourishing coral reef, then you've got all these happy fish. You have happy fish. You've got the bigger fish that are eating them. And it's just, yeah, like the entire, the entirety of the surrounding ocean is protected. So I think that is really wise because they've made a point of really, of really being like, this is something special and we need to protect it. And I think it's, I don't have a story off the top of my head at the moment. And I'm sorry if that, but there is, it's from a hundred or so years ago where a visitor was like, this is unbelievable diving based on a ship, on a shipwreck that he saw. And then there was just a concerted effort since then by the Bonaire Tourism Bureau, the Bonaire government. But it's not, you know, it's not just the ocean. It's also um, the land too. If you go to um, like the island can be divided into like two separate parts, like the North and the South. And when you go up towards like the northern ends of the islands, it's all national park. So you can't like, you can't fly a drone. You can't, um, our guide called, called the cops or called the, you know, reported these people who are flying drones because the drones disrupt the flamingos, it disrupts the wildlife. Like, I think 
Aruba is very famous for their flamingos, but flamingos are actually like very, they're native to Bonaire. Like some of the, some of the flamingos in Aruba, their wings are clipped, so they don't leave. But in Bonaire, this is their homeland. This is their habitat. We saw flocks, we saw flocks of flamingos everywhere. And, you know, it's almost, you just see them, you see it driving around in the national park and you can, it's, I mean, to, for, for a traveler, I would really recommend, I mean, it's hot, you know, you're in the Caribbean and it's also the part of the Caribbean that doesn't really get, it doesn't, it's, it's hot down there. All year. We're right above Venezuela. It's long story short, like rent an open air vehicle and go explore for the day in, in the um, park, which is, I was like, why is it called Washington, Washington side by national park? And they called it Washington because they wanted to denote its importance, which I think is hilarious. They're like, don't, don't tell the writers that. But it was established in 1969 and it covers like 14,000 acres. And you've got like cacti everywhere. And people, even just seeing the cacti, like all the cacti overlooking the beach. And then you've got these crazy rock formations that are caused by the currents. So you have these like, it's interesting what the water looks like because you have like a ring of shallow water. So it looks like literally a turquoise ring. And then it's really cobalt blue. It gets very deep very quickly. And then you've got these crazy currents that create these formations that if you're listening to this, like, you know, Baja California Sur is so famous for them. Not as big as those, but like, you know, that kind of situation right on the water, like right on the beach and on the water. And then we went cliff jumping off this 25 foot cliff, which was like, honestly, be careful the way you land. Like the first time I actually, I kind of, I just wasn't perfectly vertical. It's a drop, but like, there's so many cool things that you could do there and you can snorkel everywhere, like just right off the water. There's this place called like 10,000 steps, which isn't actually 10,000 steps, but then you go down and there's just these like beautiful, like beaches that are pristine and this amazing snorkeling. It's just like really, it's really gorgeous and they've really done a good job with protecting it. That's great. That's really great. By the way, you had mentioned at the start of this podcast about windsurfing and kite surfing did you do any of that you're known as yes. a daredevil so we 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 have to find out inquiring minds want to know <laughs> yes it's called a thousand steps by the way not ten thousand steps uh, um, so i did a windsurfing lesson i tried windsurfing in rhode island when i was like a preteen and i found it to be super super difficult like to get the sail out of the water i remember it being really heavy and i I think it's partially Bonaire. Bonaire is really like they've sent Olymp they have Olympian windsurfers there. Um, just because the conditions are so spectacular. If you go out to Lac Bay, you will just see like 50 windsur people windsurfing and like just going, like it's insane. The wind is like good and I don't the wind is strong, but it's also like the current, like the water is really flat and still, so you can just cruise. And I don't know if they've made changes to windsurf windsurfs in like the past windsurf boards in the past like 10, 15 years. But like, I found it was like much easier. I could get up. I just couldn't really turn, you know? And yeah. I was like, and that was its whole thing where I was like, if I did this for like a whole day, I feel like I would be able to get good at it. And it's so fun. I really recommend doing that just because it's like such an experience too to go to the beach and they've got this great bar on the beach. Obviously I'm always motivated by cocktails. And it's so <laughs> It's so unique to see, like, I don't know, there were like a hundred windsurf boards that I was thinking. I was like, this is crazy. And because surfing isn't really a thing there. Right. And then well, go to, yeah. And I was going to say, if David Binder, he would have taught you how to windsurf. That's right. Yeah. Well, I just need to know how to turn once I'm up there. 
there was, I was with Nina Reader, who's another travel writer. And she was like, this is her calling, you know? So I think that, um, I was sort of just trying to watch her and try to figure out what was going on. But also I just didn't trust myself like to be able to turn out of the way. If like, you know, some person's capsized and their little head is in front of you. I'm like, I'm just diving off, you know? I find it strange that Bonnier's wild donkeys have become a tourist, some sort of a tourist attraction. Talk oh my to God. Me, talk to me about that and why it's so attracted, why it's such an attraction to tourists. You know, I can't believe I haven't brought them up so far. I think it's because people don't see donkeys living their best <laughs> lives. Like if you go to, if you go to South Caicos and Turks and Caicos, you will see yeah. wild donkeys. There are more wild donkeys than there are people. And it's like, feels really similarly in Bonaire. It's like flamingos and donkeys. And because they're really cute and they're just chilling. And Uh I think that it's almost like on a different level, you know, like Maryland is famous for having those wild horses. Like in the US, we don't see animals like that, that people have historically really used for personal benefit or gain, just wandering free. So I think it's, and they come up to you. They're hungry. So you don't want to like put your hands right in front of their snout. But like I was petting these donkeys. It was, they would, <laughs> when we were at Posada, when we were at Posada Mara Mira, they just came right up to the, you know, it was like, it's an open air restaurant. Everything is sort of a lot of open air places there. And they just came up chilling, just seeing if anyone has anything for them. I'll send you a picture. But it's because they're very <laughs> chill. It's almost like they're the llamas. Like, it's like they're the llamas of Bonaire. Like if you're in Peru, if you're in Peru, you see llamas and alpacas everywhere. If you're in Bonaire, you're going to see donkeys and flamingos everywhere. I've, oh. I mean, <laughs> I still don't understand why wild donkeys would be some sort of... <laughs> but that's, they're <laughs> cute, David. If you saw them, they're funny looking. Because I mean, how okay. long was the last time you saw like a donkey like up close? Like in South Caicos, they weren't like chilling in front of you. Like these donkeys are literally like approaching you. And like, in like being like, what's up? Give me food. It's almost like when I'm talking about when we're, when I'm under the water and I'm like, fish are fear me, not at all. You know what I mean? Like I've got like fish swimming around my head. Like I'm getting out of the way. Sort of like that with the donkeys, which really, I feel like I say donkeys, really donkeys, donkeys. I don't know. And I think it speaks to like, you know, the, the conservation efforts that Bonaire has done for so long that that's just, that's just part of life. Then the history of Bonaire is really cool too. The last time I saw a donkey, he was busy carrying a load. Exactly. How often do you see donkeys <laughs> at leisure? Let donkeys, let donkeys have fun. Yeah, Bonaire is where donkeys, and then the flamingos too. I mean, I, I know that there are like these flamingo experiences in Aruba, but like in Bonaire, they're just wild and chilling. Very cool. And there are all these salt flats um, and just that, you know, the hot pink birds and the white salt flats with like the bright blue water in the back and the green cacti. It's very dramatic, very dramatic looking. Could you give me at least six reasons why I should visit Bonaire? Okay. Yes. First reason is because I think in general, if you haven't been somewhere and you go somewhere for the first time, and then I'll go directly to Bonaire, you got like a better appreciation and understanding of like how varied and big the world is. I mean, for me, I knew about the ABC Islands history, but then going to Bonaire, like they, you know, Papiamentu is the language, is like the language that's spoken. It's a mixture of like Portuguese, Spanish, English, and Dutch spoke all across the ABC Islands. But one thing that I found really interesting in Bonaire is, you know, Rincon is the oldest village and that was established by the Spanish in 1527. And that was like their hiding spot from pirates. So you'll see these sort of like flags or they're sort of like 
the Dutch, um, the Dutch colors written on different posts that were supposed yeah. to like direct people who are coming in first protecting from pirates. And then like salt was like the hugest export. So they had these like old coral stone slave huts and these obelisks and they were first built in 1850 and they lined the perimeter of the salt flats and they exist today. And they're artifacts like from like colonialism. And it's just, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Basically the, um, you know, people would live there during the week and there are these tiny little concrete rooms and then they'd have to walk seven hours to Rincon to spend time with their family every Sunday. And then that, that trail also, like the obelisk that were marking the um, navigation along the shore for the salt, those are navigational tools. And you have the white, blue, and orange color of the Dutch flag. And I don't know, just seeing, seeing those structures, just visiting and learning more about the history. I mean, and it feels like a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I mean, it was a long time ago, but it's crazy. I don't know. I was very interested in hearing the history and hearing about how Bonaire sort of, and I think this happens a lot in the Caribbean where, you know, you have the people who've been living through various colonialist regimes and developing their own culture that sort of exists sort of aside or despite. And I don't know, just like the food culture. And I'm saying, I think the culture and history is interesting. Long story short. Number two is the diving, I think is really huge. And I know that I shouldn't be saying that, but it is like some of the best in the world. Number three is just the national park is like very, very dramatic and cool. And I have not seen anything like it, like a tropical desert. And, you know, you've got these, you just got these swimming but then beyond that, it's like very much like you can do your own thing in there. Like you can snorkel, you can go cliff jumping. Three is like the food. Like there, there are no chain restaurants. Like every chain is every restaurant's locally owned. And the like cuisine was insanely good. Like the fish was so good. And yeah. the avocado, everything was so good. Number four, I would say is the windsurfing. Um, nice. Just because there's just, I don't know anywhere else that is so famous for it like that. And also is so doable because I have tried before. Um, number five, I would say would be for the, well, for me, honestly, I would say for the night snorkeling and like going out into the water and like, it is something that people do there that's just so popular and you can get the equipment and you can go. I think the ability to go right off the beach, the reason that's so popular is because a lot of places you have to sort of go further out to see fish and coral reefs that are thriving and alive. But in Bonaire, you can just step four feet into the ice. I walked 10 feet and then I had this humongous tarpon fish staring at me in the face. Like you don't have to see, you don't have to go far to like experience marine life and wildlife. So it's very, it's ch- more chill in a way. Cause if you're in another place where you want to go diving, you need to be taken out in a boat and you need to be like scheduling it at certain times and you have to be taken to a certain place. But if you've got your dive certificate, you can just like get one of those pickup trucks and explore at your leisure, which is something that's really unique. And there's really no bad place to go. Cause I was kept thinking like, was well, there a place you shouldn't go? And there are hundreds of spots and no place is bad. Number five, I would say you should go for the flamingos because people go nuts for flamingos and they're always going to South America. You can go to Bonaire and experience that in a hot second. And number six, I think you should go for the sailing and the sunsets just because it is so gorgeous. And yeah. So those are the reasons. My first reason meant to be, was meant to be like, I think you should go somewhere you haven't been in general. It wasn't special enough to Bonaire. Well, you you know, number, number seven could easily be avocado daiquiris. 
I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to help you out. <laughs> I, but it's crazy you know, to see. It's crazy to see what they preserved from the 1850s. It's amazing how they've got these historic areas too. That I don't know, and because it, it's a small island, you can do it. You can explore it in a day, and it's interesting to be in a place that hasn't doesn't have the Marriott, it doesn't have the Starbucks, doesn't have the Dunkin' Donuts. You know, like I, it's it was cool. I liked it. Tell me that you didn't leave without having a burger from the Catcus Blue Bunny food truck. truck. I didn't, but I know that I was supposed to. I actually, the first day that we got there, I we were supposed to stop at the food trucks, but then we were, um, you know, it was August, but it's so cold on planes that I always wear like leggings or sleeves when I'm flying. And then I landed in Bonaire and I was just sweating to death. And I was like, I need to change out of these airport clothes. And it's a long flight. It's not that big of a deal, but there aren't, there are no direct flights, you know, which I think that the best places don't have direct flights, but you know, you're flying through Miami to get there. So it's a little bit more of a commitment, but it's, it's worth it. Is it a good and bad time to visit Bonaire? So what's, the I best, I what's the best time to visit Bonaire? I guess that should be the question. So the thing that's nice about like, that part of the Caribbean is it is much more sheltered from, from storms. You know what I mean? When you go further Southeast like that. Um, I think I probably went in like ostensibly the worst time, August, the hottest month. And I, I enjoyed it. Like I liked it, but it's definitely hot. So I would probably say, I mean, Bonaire, the nice thing about Bonaire is that it's not super expensive. I think it's harder to get to, but you're not going to be like, Oh God, I can't go in December. I'm going to wait a month and then I'll be affordable. Like you can go to Bonaire the moment you most want to go, which let's be honest. Like if you're in up North, it's December, January, February, you know, while other Caribbean islands, I would tell you to wait until like mid-March till like mid-March, like April, just because you know, you're going to be ending up spending an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's another reason to go to Bonaire is you can go whenever you want and you don't have to worry about being swindled. I'm not being swindled, but you know, you don't have to worry about the price. In, in, in season pricing. Exactly. And you know, it's not that I, yeah, it's not that I don't know if there's a bad time to visit because I probably did visit during like sort of the off time. But I have to say though, I don't think Bonaire is going to be underrated for super long because like all like villas that we normally would have rented or stayed in were all booked up in August. Wow. So, you know, I think that there's always a moment with these places where it's like, oh, they're underrated. And, you know, there are people all over the world who want to go to an island that really feels like, you know, it really feels rustic in a way that a lot of Caribbean, a lot of islands in general don't anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like you're going to, it feels windswept. It feels, you know, you're, you have a donkey approaching you outside the restaurant. You can go to a, <laughs> you can go to a cafe that every single base ingredient is avocado. Like everything is avocado there and they're running a successful business. You know, it's very, it's very cool. And the people are really awesome that I met, you know, and there's a lot of Bonaire pride because, you know, the ABC islands, people move around a lot within them. You know, maybe people go to Aruba, they work in tourism. People are going to be working in like government or they're going to be working in different, like, um, you know, advertising, finance stuff. They'll go to Carousel and Bonaire is definitely a little, is known for being more, for being more rural. And the pride that I always got from Bonaire, it's like, well, we've been doing what everyone now thinks is cool since before it wasn't cool. Like we've been doing this before, like the 
conservation, the sustainability, the focus on locally owned local businesses, you know, cultural, like cultural authenticity, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a very strong sense of, I don't want to become Aruba. You know what I mean? Like I want Bonaire to stay Bonaire. And I don't know if I communicated that well in the podcast, but that's extremely unique all over the world. You know, a lot of places always boast that, but here, like, you know, and I think sometimes people like in Turks and Caicos, I love Turks and Caicos. And some of my, the few people I've met are from Turks and Caicos, but something I always hear about Turks and Caicos, even the Maldives, very luxurious places is I want to experience the culture. And I feel like it's harder to experience the culture there, you know, because they're in these luxurious spots that are sort of catered towards travelers and right. everything is catered to you. But in Bonaire, the culture is all around you. You know, there isn't, it's not like you're, it's not all inclusive. You're not spending all day and you're all inclusive with a cocktail. That's not even possible. You talked about the local language earlier, papiamento. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite? Um, what's, can, can, you, can you give me a phrase or a sentence in papiamento? My favorite line is douchey. That's all I know in papiamento. Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. All right. Every so douchey means like cool, sweet, great. Like, yes. every, like everything is douchey. Okay. Yeah. Bon dia. What? What? Good day. Kumbai. What's up? Mita. Okay, I'm good. Mi nombre de Katie. Kenya. Kenya Mabo. Kenya Mabo. What's your yeah. name? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mi da um alter. I'm a writer. Mita Americana, Mistima Bonero. I love Bonero. Bo Stima Me. Do you love me? Mistima Bo. I love you. Bon died. There you go. All right. You you did good. Now I'm going to put you in the classroom and let you teach. Oh my God. I I find it so, I always do this because you always, I mean, whenever I ask, like, how do I say this? I always forget unless I, I write it down in my notes app. And I write it down phonetically, which right. helps at the time. But then I was trying to speak Spanish and Chinese actually this past weekend to people. And I realized that the phonetic spelling doesn't age as well because then, right. you know, I, when, it, when I'm there, I'm like, oh, this is what it sounds like. But that's like a, such a travel tip. People really appreciate it. Even if you sound like an, I'm sound like an idiot, you know, right. even if you're not, <laughs> even if you don't sound good people, I think it's just like a gesture of respect. And also it's fun. I love to. I mean, I love to be like, I love you. Do you love me? To random cab drivers. Like, <laughs> I love Bonaire. I'm American. Thanks for this. People are like, oh my God. Yeah. It's a, yeah, people appreciate that. That's like Michael trying to speak Spanish. Oh, it's terrible. Hola, mi nombre es. Okay. 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 i know what you're saying i I live with a native spanish speaker i get that part (laughs) papiamento is papiamento is so unique too because it's such a mixture of different languages like you know what i mean and then alter it's just it's so interesting and people speak it so quickly always order what the locals are ordering in bonaire too i discovered like at um i keep talking about um Oh my God. Posada, Posada Paramira, but the cocktails I had there, there were like two local cocktails and then obviously daiquiris and then all the locals and they were spectacular. It's all fresh ingredients. You know, it's very cool. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like I, I think it's interesting too when you see places that are right next to each other. I want to go to Aruba. I want to complete the trifecta. 
And it'll be so interesting because those the islands are so close, but they're so they're also different from one another. Yeah, yeah. It's so. actually pretty cool. They make a cactus vodka there, man. It says it's pretty good. Mm. Oh my god. They yeah. have oh, I forgot. You should go to the your favorite word, David, Kadushi Distillery. Kadushi Distillery, that's right. <laughs> the spirit of Bonaire. Yeah. Wow. It looks yeah. like I'm going to have more fun uh, at sipping adult beverages and enjoying the water. Yeah, that's the thing. You There's so much more to do than diving, but the stuff that's more to do, it's more like you can actually like actually kick back and have like a relaxed, fun time and explore. And the island is like small enough that you can just like, I would rent a car for sure. Yeah. And you could just yeah. like explore. But you know what? Those experiences like that when you're relaxed and everybody's just kind of chill yes. and stuff like that's where you learn the culture. That's where you get exactly. people to share with you their their lands and their experiences and stuff like that. I think for me, when I travel, that's actually the, one of the things I seek out. Sometimes I don't seek the touristy stuff. I seek the culture and the experience of just sitting with locals. And, you know, sometimes I'll just sit and observe them. They don't even have to say a word to me. <laughs> Other times I want to talk to them. Yeah, no, totally. And it's funny, the other travel writers on my trip weren't divers, you know? And so if that speaks at all to the fact that there is more to do than that, but I do think though, and this is just in general, like I've said this to you guys before, I know you agree, like to do the thing you're supposed to do and the place you're supposed to do it. Like, right. I do think you should try it. You should try diving in Bonaire just because, you know, and I'm, it's a, just because it is so unique and it reminds me a bit of Ecuador. And I know I brought up the Galapagos, but I bring up Ecuador because Ecuador has has really been amazing at conservation for such a long time for not a very wealthy country. You know, Ecuador has struggled with their economy, but they've mm-hmm. never like, they've never erred on what was important to them was preserving the wildlife and preserving the land. And there's a lot of national heritage in that. And kind of reminded me of Bonaire a bit because it's not like this is like, you know, the richest country in the Caribbean. And you would think that sometimes I think that people think conservation, I think because in America, people view conservation they viewed it for way too long as sort of a luxurious thing. Even now, like the Dakota pipeline, like we should conserve or like in the, or in the Island of Hawaii, like this is a spiritual place, conserve this land. It's always, people are always just choosing profit over, mm-hmm. you know, the, well, the look what's, land, look what's but, happening in the Amazon. They're, you know, this new government down there, they're cutting down the rainforest that, you know, the Amazon supplies two thirds of the earth's oxygen. We can't afford to have the Amazon go away. I'm going to add something to what you said earlier about Bonaire, and it has to do with the time of year that you travel. For those of you who are completely unfamiliar with the Caribbean or get scared off at the sight of a hurricane, Bonaire is 50 miles, as Catherine said, off the Venezuelan coastline. They are outside of the traditional hurricane belt. You can go to Bonaire year round. Yes. You don't have to wait and say, oh, God, I got to wait until you know, December 1st when hurricanes. No, you can go now. You don't yeah. have to, you know, the ABC islands, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, where Dave's Grenada. homeland is Grenada, Dave's homeland of Barbados. You can go now. You don't have to wait because right. these are outside the hurricane bills. And I'm not going to get into and Dave knows I know all this stuff. I'm not going to get into hurricane technology, but go. You don't have to wait. That's one of the things that always drives me crazy. I think Dave's friend Johnson uh, mentioned this in one of our previous podcasts. People, because the news media has this way of saying, oh, this hurricane is going to just destroy everything. They don't realize it's usually confined to a small geographic area. Yeah. You know, I, I know we've had some pretty bad storms here of late, but here in the U.S., because that has to do with climate change. But the southern part of that Caribbean island chain north of the Venezuelan coastline, it has not been hit like that. And it, and it won't because of some of the science that I won't get into. But go. Don't wait. 
you're more likely to get hit by a hurricane on the eastern, on the southeastern seaboard of the U.S. than you are in the Caribbean. Yes, absolutely. And and God forbid if one of those storms comes across the Atlantic and, and crosses into the Gulf of Mexico because it's got no place to go but land at that point. I know, I know. So, so. I think it's biblical. I think the times are changing. And when I was in the Maldives, the seasons we talked about changed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, this should mm-hmm. be the rainy season, but it's not. And then... I don't know. I'm not going to use New England summer as an example, but like it's <laughs> raining for three months up here. And yeah. I was like, oh, things are up. Well, I, I, honestly, we need some rain out here. I don't think it's rained three inches in the last two years. Oh my God. Well, the Amazon podcast would be timely in that sense too. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we need some help with that. Cool. Uh, Catherine, is there anything about Bonaire we forgot? No, I mean, I tried to do like a summary of like what makes like the history of it, of the place cool. But I think that, you know, it's like a living history, what you're talking about with like, mm-hmm. you know, just observing, serving the locals, hanging out, having a drink. It's very cool. It feels yeah. authentically laid back in a way that sometimes, even if you're on an island, it doesn't feel that way. If things are sort of fast paced or rushed or like you really can unwind. And I would, I would say at Harbor, I would say at the um, beach club, partially because the tarp ends, but they also have these really cool villas that you can rent. Oh, okay. And I think renting, a, usually I don't say to rent a car, but because everything is so traversal and because like I didn't have my own car and I was just thinking the whole time, like I wish I was behind the wheel. And, and some of it is a little gnarly, some of the roads. So like you want to get a four wheel drive. Right. I was like, this would be heaven to be listening to Bob Marley driving down this road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Going, if I was the master of my own destiny. So highly recommend it and get, something with the top down. Cause it does. Yeah. That's cool. hot. And, that's and, and where Catherine stayed, by the way, uh, is Harbor village beach club, correct? Yes. And okay. it's one of the, it's one of the nicer places, but it's still, um, it's very laid back. They have these like cool, I stayed at this cool um, spot right on the beach. So I walked out onto the sand and yeah, the Landra is really great. Like the, um, the restaurant and bar and it's open late. Yeah, so I, they've I'm got actually, the sand beach. Yeah, I'm actually looking at pictures of it right now. This place is awesome. Yeah, and it's it's really nice because they not a lot of, you know, they've got the black sand beaches there, which are caused by like, it's pretty much like the little, it's the shells of these. Let me confirm actually right now, because this always I'm always surprised by this. But it's like the shell carcasses of these little snails. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That is what makes them black. So, but there are a ton of black sand beaches, which like Dominica has too. Right. And this other place too. But yeah, but so it's more rare to be on a, and Saba has those. It's rare, like those islands, it's rare to have a sandier beach. I would think of it in terms of, in terms of an adventure island, like a, like a Dominica or a Saba, but not as, I think, I mean, Dominica and Saba are super mountainous and, you know. Man, it's adventurous if you want to. It's cocktail. It's five o'clock all the time if you want it to be also. Oh, man. You're, you're speaking my kind of language. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Catherine, again, you have been a wealth of information, as Dave likes to say. But we always have fun with you. You, you, you know how to distill a bunch of information and make it fun to hear at the same time. And for that, our audience truly appreciate you. Uh, I, like Dave, I've never been to Bonaire either. So now you've got me ready to move. Um, so it'll be one thing that's on our agenda. Um, for those of you who have been listening, uh, go to Catherine Parker, Maggie.com. That's Catherine's website. Uh, she has more stories than just Bonaire and Kenya and some of the other places we've talked about. Catherine's traveled all over the world. How many countries are you up to now? 
I'm at 68. 68, 68. and counting. Uh, yeah. you remember, there's only about 199 in the whole world. So Catherine's two thirds, uh, third of the way there already. So um, I need so, to add new ones. I keep I'm I keep right now with COVID. I feel like, well, I'm excited to go back, but I'm like, I need to start going to new places. I feel like I'm doing laps to old ones. Well, I guess I added Maldives and Bonaire. I'd never been to. I was going to say, you you got a couple new ones in there. So you're, you're moving right along. Yeah. So anyway, you also heard Catherine talk about her TikTok. Find her at Catherine Parker Magyar. And you can also find her on Instagram, but the same one, Catherine Parker yeah. Magyar. And I believe, what was it? Uh, Facebook is Magyar. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on everything is Catherine Parker Magyar, but Twitter, my name is too long, I think, to be a Twitter handle. It is. A, yeah, they only got 15 characters. And I think you're I want to appeal as some KPM1231. But I'm sure if you just search, there's only one Catherine Parker Magyar out there. As it as it should be, as it should be. There's just one of you. (laughs) Oh my god! You know what? You know what it'd be like to have two David Cumberbatches. Oh my god! (laughs) I mean, it's and when I was like younger, I was like, what? Like, I didn't love being hyphenated, but now you know it comes in handy. Particularly like, I don't know. I defended my Uber driver who I was trying to speak Chinese with. And she was trying to get me to look her up and I, to find her on Facebook. And I was like, you got to look me up. Like, I can't. Like, there's only <laughs> there's only one of me. You'll find me. Cool. Well, again, appreciate you for doing this. And uh, looking forward to next month when we take a little journey with you to the Amazon. And uh, on behalf of my friend Dave Cumberbatch, the birthday boy, uh, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long. And we will see you next week on another edition of TripCast 360.